welcome to another week of the Sports Block Podcast. Nathan Stacken here, my good friend and co-host of this fine podcast, Mr. Travis Krenz joining me. Travis, how are you? Good, good. Uh, college football starts this week. How excited are you for... The, yes, yes. Didn't you know there are four games here? We'll get the let's get the whole let's get the schedule pulled up here. Uh, let's see how excited you are for Colorado State and Hawaii. That's a that looks like it's Hawaii at Colorado State. Excuse me, six thirty p.m. Central Time on CBS Sports Network. Will you be watching? What day is that? Saturday. Saturday. I don't get CBS Sports Network, so I'm gonna watch that. Okay, how about Wyoming at New Mexico State, 9 o'clock p.m. Central Time on ESPN2? Unlikely. <laughs> how about Prairie View A&M at Rice, that's at 6 p.m. Central Time on ESPN+. Plus. No. Duquesne at UMass, 4.30 p.m. Central Time? Probably not. All right, well then, I guess uh, I guess we're just going to have to wait till next Thursday, but... Uh, no. Uh, but, uh, yeah, college football starting up. Yeehaw! Um, we got plenty to get to here. Charlie Hildebrand will be joining us here for more college football preview. Do you want to talk some college football today or just wait till next week with the big preview? We'll wait till next week. Big week. All right. Very good. Very good. Um, uh, we know that Urban Meyer, uh, Ohio State's going to meet on Wednesday, it sounds like, uh, to discuss the future of head football coach Urban Meyer. Uh, do you think, uh, when we talk next week, will Urban Meyer be the head football coach of Ohio State? Yeah, they'll probably suspend him for two or three games. If it were two or three be. Big Ten uh, conference games, would that change? Would is that no. is that more ridiculous than just a two or three game suspension? It doesn't matter whether it's you know, conference or non-conference. To me, it's two or three games. I'd fire him. About uh, Maryland, will they fire head coach DJ Durkin uh, by this time next week? I would hope so. I don't know if died. You know, maybe uh, maybe it'll be a little bit more quick on this. This seems pretty cut and dry. How about Minnesota starting true freshman walk on Zach Anikstead as its starting QB, according to PJ Fleck? Did you hear about this? Yeah, you you apparently like Minnesota a whole lot more than than most, at least me. Well, I, I mean, I don't know if I like them more. I mean, I I have them winning fewer games than I thought they were going to last year. I'll just go for the record, say oh, I have sure. them at eight and four. Okay, that's that's plenty. Yeah, plenty. I mean, eight and four, I think, is respectable. I mean, I think it, or it's doable. That would be a very good year. That would be a very good year yeah. for them. I mean, and it might not happen, but, I mean, young team, so we'll see what happens there. So that's uh, that's your college football talk, for uh, at least for us. But we have the big preview next week, playoff teams. I I thought I had three of my four teams down, down pat, and then I was flip-flopping on the fourth team. Then I got the fourth team, and now I'm flip-flopping on one of the uh, three that I had set. To be with, so I got to figure that out ahead of next week. But uh, I will tell you this: it's not Texas. I probably got to leave a Pac-12 team out again. Uh, they just take the conference winners of the four other conferences. Well, when, so when probably the, what I'm doing. Wouldn't the only Pac-12 team that really has a shot this year would be Washington? Probably. 
USC, I have no idea who their quarterback's going to be. Uh, Arizona's intriguing. Their schedule's not very tough. Mm-hmm. Got to get They're pretty exciting. Their quarterback. Uh, Stanford's pretty good. So, they have Washington a favorite. Stanford should be always good. USC should be good. Arizona might be the fourth best team. So, I mean, I don't think, you know, Washington. I think they're losing to Auburn right out of the gate. So, games in Atlanta. I like Auburn to win that. A true neutral site game. That's like Texas and Maryland playing a neutral site game at FedEx Field. Do it. It's ridiculous. But now that Maryland's going through their shit, um, that's not good. How, um, so, uh, that's college football talk here for you. Uh, have you paid any attention to Little League World Series? Oh, my God, no. No. Well, did you pay attention to the Mets and Phillies playing in Williamsburg uh, on uh, on Sunday night? No, a little, I didn't watch it, but I needed Stephen, uh, I need not, uh, I think Jason Vargas to have the game of his life for fantasy purposes. Get a very good game, he was, I did not advance, so that was the only reason why I cared about that's Phillies. Oh yeah, are you done with your? Uh, with, are you out of the the playoffs all of a sudden in fantasy baseball? Yes, I am, and then I'm in two other leagues. They haven't even started the playoffs yet, so it's quite uh, quite early in one league, and we're still a couple weeks, a week or two away from playoffs in the other two. So. I said uh, Williamsburg. It's Williamsport. So my my apologies there. All right, let's. Uh, let... I, I saw I saw in the little league. Girls fast pitch was on like last week. The Little League girls fast pitch. Really? Yeah. It's like, what are we doing? <laughs> Who could possibly care? Who could, what interest can, what, uh, it came from Sioux Falls Mail last year. People went nuts. I couldn't care less. <laughs> couldn't care any less about it. Well, Bunch of 12, 13 year old kids playing baseball. Holy God. Ooh, who who gets interest in that? Would you care though if the Little League World Series team was from Sioux Falls uh, instead of you know what Rapid City made it a couple years ago? If I if memory serves me correct, Sioux Falls, Sioux Falls made it last year. Did Sioux Falls make it last year? Okay, I, I couldn't care at all. Didn't care at all. Oh yeah, what, that what was I last year. High school athletics is bad enough. <laughs> Little League. I will talk in middle school. I mean, there's got to be a line. Well, you you know, some of these guys who are little leaguers this year, they could be up and coming major league stars. Uh, we know there are a few that have that have gotten their starts here, or they that played at Williamsport and now are in the big league. So let's switch to the big leagues here. Um, yeah, this I know this is what intrigues you the most, and uh, honestly, again. We thought that the AL was going to have no races apart from the wild card, but here come the Oakland A's just continuing to charge, and they sit just a game back of the Houston Astros. Rather stunning to see the Astros fall as bad as they have. Now, injuries have certainly played a factor in it, but uh, the A's, quite astounding what the A's have done. The A's are pretty good. Their pitching staff somehow is good enough. I got a bunch of guys that people should know, but 
it probably shouldn't be this good. Like Edwin Jackson, I don't know Edwin Jackson's not in the league, but he's pitched great. Uh, Sean Manaya started off pretty well. He's kind of come back to earth went through a no-hitter early on in the season. Trevor Cahill uh, pitching best he's ever pitched. You know, all these random guys, Brett Anderson, all of these guys, two of these guys weren't even on the team at the start of the season. And, I mean, it's and it makes no sense that they're even 500, let alone have like the one of the three, two, three best records in baseball. But they do. I hope they beat the Yankees. I hope they uh, they play Boston in the first round. I hope they I hope they make a run. I I keep saying I don't think the Yankees are safe to make the playoffs. I get that it would that Seattle would really have to play well, and the Yankees would have to falter, but. I mean, for it to be as close as it is right now, I'm not counting out Seattle from making a run here uh, at the postseason. I mean, Yankees are seven and a half games ahead. I mean, that's... It would be difficult, but I'm not not discounting them at all. Especially... uh, Oh, you are? (laughs) Well, I mean, Washington, if we're counting out the Nationals, Nationals are closer to the wild card than... The Yankees, I mean, Washington, I think they're dumb. They're six and a half back of the wild card. They're still under 500. Like, I mean, we have, what, 35 games left here? Yep. If the Yankees go 500, I mean, Seattle's got a... I mean, they could lose eight games. I mean, it's not... I mean, you would say Seattle, Oakland, see who gets the wild card there, not so much Yankees. I mean, Yankees are in. Uh, should mention with the A's, the the one thing for South Dakota, you know, for, you know, for people around here to pay attention to is that Blake uh, Blake Trinan was a pitcher at South Dakota State, and he's having a brilliant year. A point eight seven ERA, thirty two saves. He's been absolutely terrific this year. Very good. Somehow he's gotten to throw a hundred miles an hour. Uh, didn't throw that at SDSU. Yeah, where was that against Oral Roberts? I was out there. He was 90 miles an hour. And, uh, Washington struggled with Washington, and he's uh, become a pretty good closer. Yeah, he's uh, phenomenal, so good stuff there. Uh, the NL remains very intriguing. The Braves are half game up on the Phillies. Uh, we both like the Braves. The Nationals are seven back, so for all intents and purposes, they're done. The Cardinals have made a charge in the NL Central. They are four games back of the Cubs. The Brewers are three and a half back. You would think, given all that the Brewers acquired during, you know, before the trade deadline, that they would be in much in a much better position than just barely hanging on to a wild card spot. Wouldn't you think? That's it's very disappointing from what I've seen from the Brewers. And all those teams are about the same. Braves, Phillies, Rockies, Brewers, Cardinals, Dodgers. There's not a lot of difference between them right now. Just got to take your pick. Dodgers are the best of the bunch, but we'll see. We'll see what happens there if they can stay healthy. Rockies are probably the worst of the bunch. But, nah, not a clue. Not a clue who's going to get get in there. The, I mean... The Dodgers have the for for all you know for just interesting uh, statistic here. The Dodgers have the largest run differential of 
out of any team in the NL, yet they are third in their division, two games back. Oh, uh, the Cubs are 89. They are second, plus 89. Jeez. So it, it, it's a sizable difference between the two teams, well, and the Cubs have uh, are like two and a half games up on the Dodgers. So uh, right now the Diamondbacks lead the West. They are a half game up on the Rockies. Dodgers are two back. The Giants have faded. Uh, Pirates haven't done anything. So, yeah, it's really now, if we're, if we're going to count Washington out, Atlanta, Philadelphia, Chicago, Milwaukee, St. Louis, Arizona, Colorado, and the Dodgers. So you have eight teams vying for uh, five spots here. At the end of the day, right now, not going to hold you to anything, but who are the three teams that won't make the playoffs? That won't? That won't, yep. Uh, Rockies, Arizona, and Milwaukee, and the Cardinals. Four teams? Let's see. Um, Colorado, Milwaukee, St. Louis. Okay. I would go with St. Louis, Philadelphia, and Colorado. It would be Milwaukee and the Dodgers. Yes. Yep. But uh, it, it's going to be fascinating here down the stretch. Uh, let's see. I'm just seeing here, like, if, if I pull up. And I, I'm curious to see who all, you know, these teams, if they're playing against one another. Of course, obviously, you, you will within your own division here. Just pulling up the Braves schedule here. And they have the damn tablet would... uh. The Twins have uh, Steven Gonsalves pitching tonight. He's one of their better prospects, and he's struggling at the moment. Well, that's against the White Sox? Oh, come on, man. No, it may not get out of the second inning here, so he's somebody. Hopefully, that'll be pretty good. So the uh, the Braves have a okay. So I'm just looking at the Braves here. They have four games at Arizona, September 6th through the 9th. So that's that's a lot, uh, you know, to look at. Then they have four at home, or they have three at home with St. Louis, and four at home with Philadelphia. That's in one week, so September 17th through the 23rd. That could ultimately decide if the Braves make the playoffs or not. Is that one week stretch there? Could be. Yeah. So well, all these teams are going to play each other. So I mean, Rockies. Rockies are playing the best right now. They, what they swept the Braves, maybe uh, have four games sleep for the Braves. So, Rockies are rolling right now. We'll see if they can keep it up. Anything else you mentioned? The Twins, uh, they had a, you know, played decent against the Tigers here. It took what three of four, and that was after they took uh, two against Pittsburgh here. But at the end of the day, if they're, who cares? I guess this this Tyler Austin is pretty good though, isn't he? Yeah, he had a couple home runs. We'll see if they can finish around 500. Maybe they win, you know, 77, 78 games. It'll be all right. Um, they only have three players under contract for next year. Uh, they got 12 others for arbitration. So we, there's about 15 guys we know that will be on the team. Maurer should probably be back. He's been all right. Uh, they don't really need to sign anybody. There's no, like, holes. There's no weakness, there's no spot that's open, their lineup's been set for a couple years, 
They have eight to ten options of who can be a starting pitcher next year. Uh, their bullpen's fine, so it's not. Uh, they've they're pretty much set. So I don't expect them to do much of anything unless they want to spend maybe on a, on a big ticket item next next uh, off season. I don't know if they want to get a, started like a Dallas Keuchel or somebody. I don't know. Uh, by the way, the uh, the Cardinals and Dodgers played a three game series this week in L.A. So that's a big series right there. Uh, see if the Dodgers can uh, keep rolling here. I would imagine they'll take at least two of three from the Cardinals, but. Uh, we shall see. Anything else? Who? Yeah. Yeah. Who? I think the, the American League MVP race is very close. There are four guys. I would be fine with any of the four at the moment. Uh, Mike Trout, Jose Ramirez, Mookie Betts, and J.D. Martinez. Oof, yeah. The, uh, the four there. I can argue for any of the four. Uh, it's getting very, getting very close. Does does the fact that Mike Trout has been out for a while here now with the wrist injury does that take him maybe out of the equation here? I guess I would, I would lean towards I, I would lean towards J D Martinez slightly over Mookie Betts with Mike Trout in third. I probably vote Mike Trout, but I don't think he's going to win. Uh, it's very, uh, uh, J.D. Martinez for me would probably be three or four. I would vote for, I'd say probably Mookie Betts. Best player, best team, usually doesn't matter a whole lot, but he's, he's having a pretty good year. Um, yeah, I would put, and he can vote for any of them. I'd be okay with Mookie Betts winning. Jose Ramirez, AJ Martinez, he might win the Triple Crown, which doesn't mean a whole lot for me. 332 batting uh, average, 38 home runs, 106 RBI so far for Martinez. It's good for him. So he's close to leading the league in average, but he's only, oh Jesus Christ, where is he? On base percentage, he's still a fourth, so that's pretty good. Trout's got him by like 60 points on on base. Like the the real on the the real triple crown should probably be slugging percentage, on base percentage, and I don't know runs or something like that. So Trout leads an on base by a good margin. JD Martinez barely has it over Mookie Betts. And if a third category, I don't know runs. That's got to be a better third. For modern triple crown, but uh, yeah, JD Martinez, he's having a good year. Mookie Betts batting 343, 27 home runs, 64 RBIs. Just to look uh, look at it differently. Oh, um, the big story last week was um, uh, Jose Urena. Was who? Jose Urena. Yeah, who? Who's that? What, what are you talking about? Well, I was talking about the Braves guy. Yeah. Was that his name? Arena? I thought it was uh, like on Un- or something. Jose Arena was the pitcher. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, you're you're so yeah. You're talking the Marlins. The okay. Yep. No, I'm I'm sorry. I I know where we got. Yeah. Ron, he Ron, was. We're on different parts of the same page. Right. Yes. Ronald, uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. is the pattern. Yes, and he had hit a home run in what five straight games, including a leadoff home run in what two or three straight. And yeah. uh, you know, Arunia here the uh, the Marlins pitcher. First pitch of the game, he hits him. I mean, it was blatant. You could tell it was, and they ejected him right away for it. So, uh, Urania gets ejected. He suspended six games. Uh, then Keith Fernandez, Hernandez, is it Fernandez or Hernandez? Fernandez. Keith Hernandez. Keith Hernandez. Uh, it was one of the Uh He comes out and says, yeah, I was okay with them hitting it, or hitting him. And... A lot of he received a lot of backlash for it. So just given the whole situation here and what's going on, this is another one of the the stupid uh, unwritten rules of baseball. I feel like it, they've got to go. It's it's just ridiculous that this crap continues to happen here. But I mean, he gets he gets suspended six games, and I don't know if the punishment necessarily fits the crime. But I don't think there's any real reason for it. Like it's not like uh, Acuna did anything, at least not that I saw. Did he do a bat flip or was he, you know, mouthing off to the Marlins? I don't know. You could just intentionally walk him, or how about this? Strike the guy out. Maybe be a better pitcher than uh, than what you know your team's been doing against Acuna Junior. It's it's just ridiculous. Um, I side with the Braves in this. The Marlins look petty and. I really wish baseball would crack down and do something about it because it's just it's stupid in my mind. It was a bad. It was like 17 minutes between the first pitch and second pitch of that game, so it was a long delay. Urena uh, came back and he uh, threw a two-hitter the next start out yesterday against Washington. Complete game, one run, two hits. So he responded very good to that. Uh, yeah, six games, yeah, I don't know when he's going to serve a suspension, so kind of a start, move back a day or two is all. Um, yeah, it sucks. It was one of the, you know, maybe the rookie of the year and a guy that's expected to be a MVP type guy. If, if, he had, if Acuna had gotten injured... What, what are the grounds, especially with the Braves being in the in the race here for the NL East pennant, what are the grounds for uh, for punishment or suspension like that? I've always kind of thought of like, oh, you're suspended as long as the guy is out for. So if that's the whole year, you're done for the whole year as well. Uh, would that deter people away from it? What can Major League Baseball do to prevent something like this from happening and prevent a potential injury from occurring because you know at some point or another a team that's not in the pennant race at all is going to bean some a great player on a team leading the division and that's they're going to get be out for a while and it's going to change the whole complexion of the season for that team maybe even the playoffs whatever what can be done about this they did a good job of throwing them out right away it's the first pitch of the game and they threw him out, so that was good. Maybe like a 10 or 15 game suspension. Um, obviously, this was intentional. Um, he, he probably would have hit him in the back if Acuna doesn't move, but he kind of moved back a little bit, so it hit him in the elbow. 
he just stands there, probably hits him in the back, which would have likely been a whole lot better. Um, he saw the slide roll, uh, what Chase Utley broke uh, Mets infielder's leg a couple of postseasons ago, so they changed the slide rule. Yep. Changed, you know, home plate. So they changed that. Uh, this usually is not much of an issue. Once in a while, you see a back and forth. I'll hit your guy, you'll hit mine. Uh, usually, it's not a huge issue. And uh, I don't think this will be, this will be a huge thing. I don't think this will be anything to hopefully worry about. But if. If Acuna on that one pitch had gotten injured, it, I know that it, you know the umps did a good job of throwing uh, Urania out right away. But had he injured Acuna there, that's that's what I guess I'm getting at here. All it takes is one pitch for a guy to get injured. What can Major League I Baseball think- do to prevent that? Because I I think this is where in in part Major League Baseball has a major issue. With trying to you know keep fans and stuff, are these stupid unwritten rules that the players keep keep bringing up? It's just it's it's ridiculous in my mind, and it's it's childish and idiotic. I, I don't I don't know how else I can I can say it. I just think that to before something terrible happens, and by that I mean you're know, just a, a regular injury, but something that would affect a team's the rest of their season, including the playoffs, what can be done about this? I'm going to give you suspensions. I guess he would have, you know, had a season and an injury. I don't know if they suspend him for 10 games. I don't know if they suspend him any more. Maybe they do a few more games. But, like, the precedent has been set pretty much for if you get a guy and they think it's probably intentional, you're probably going to, you know, miss a start or it's only going to be moved back a couple of days. So, it's not a huge problem. Um, I mean, the teams are hopefully smart enough not to not to do this. Well, I would hope, I would hope so, but I don't know. It just, and I think you know, a six-game suspension. What that? What does that equate to? One, uh, you know, one, it's, it's one, start one start essentially. His start is moved back two days, so instead of starting on a Monday, he would start on a Wednesday. Instead of having four days between starts, he would have five or six. Okay. So that's all it is. It's basically a two-day suspension. Okay. I, I don't know. I just I feel like there's something that that could be done here, but that that's just me. But um, anything else baseball-related we need to get to? National League MVP, extremely close. Yep. I have no idea who I would pick there. Max Scherzer? Uh, oh, you can't pick him. Hey, good. Yeah, Matt uh, Carpenter seemed to be a slight favorite. Now things have, I mean, you could pick any one of five guys. Uh, Javier Baez for the Cubs. A lot of people like him. I wouldn't even, I think I'd really consider him for MVP. He's having a good year, but I wouldn't put him in my top five or anything. But you've got uh, Freddie Freeman in there. Um, Nolan Arenado. So you've got pretty good, uh, pretty good grouping of folks. Um, I, like I always thought the the home run derby slump was ridiculous because it just is. And um, Bryce Harper's having a great second half, so that did not seem to affect him at all. The home run derby win—he's been doing just fine. 
What about? Uh, I guess I guess it wouldn't make sense to have Jacob Degrom be the MVP because the Mets are so terrible. I mean, like I would be fine with it because he's been. If it's not Scherzer, he's been the best pitcher. He has been the best pitcher in baseball this year, and I don't. I don't really care what the team does. Must have had the best player, the best pitcher. And uh, I think he's had the best year as a pitcher. And if you want to vote him MVP, I would have no, no problem with that. He won't win it. I'm sure he'll get some votes. It'll be uh, probably a position player. But I would be, I mean, that would not bother me. He should win the Cy Young. I would have a problem if things don't change in the next month. I would have, and his ERA is like one seven, one eight. I would have a problem with him not winning. Okay. Uh, anything else we need to get to? Mm, okay, so let's uh, let's go elsewhere here. Uh, let's see, no, no NBA, no NHL. Uh, how about this? Okay, I know you don't want to talk NFL, but right, you are <laughs> correct, sir. But I talk about the tackling. Yeah, this helmet rule has got to go, or. It's got to be challengeable. I think I, I saw this on Pro Football Talk. I get a lot of my ideas. I'm not the most. I'm somewhat creative, but when it comes to a lot of these talking points, I will. Um, I tend to to piggyback off of Mike Florio and ProFootballTalk.com, and he had a great idea uh, in one of his columns this week about, or on Sunday, I think it was about having the repl- about having New York. Uh, the you know Al Riveron, you know the the VP of officiating, you know in his command center there on Sundays. If there is a hit that the the refs think is a, worthy of a flag, have them congregate together and let Riveron look and tell them, uh, talk to the referee and say, yeah, that is a penalty, or yeah, it's not, or or no, it isn't, and then you can pick up the flag if necessary. Um, I I just this is going to not that the NFL needs help destroying their season or their credibility or anything, but if they want to look at something, remember like when the NFL officials uh, were on strike and then you had the fail Mary in Seattle between Green Bay and Seattle and all of a sudden, oh, all the, the regular officials are back. This is more damaging to the NFL than that whole debacle. This is going to define their season if they can't get this shit straight. Just like that was four years ago, whenever that was, it didn't matter. This is not going to matter. I, I, I think they'll. Uh, I don't think it'll be a big problem. They'll call it once in a while. People will complain. Uh, nothing will happen. I'm beginning to think they just like to do shit just for shit sakes. So we, we got through a hundred years of football, knowing what a catch was, and sometimes in the last. 10 years we decided to fuck around with the catch why did we do this I don't know mm-hmm. and now nobody knows what a catch is somehow we got through the first nine decades of football with no problem but all of a sudden now there's a problem and this year with, with the tackling I mean things are fine do you want to lead with your head no do you want to spear them no I'm fine with that that does not appear to be a big problem these last couple of years uh, these simple tackles these routine tackles Leading with your head. I mean, this is this is ridiculous. It's um, 
I don't think it'll be a big deal. I think they're just calling it tight in the preseason to make a statement. So, and I would hope we'll you're right happens. on that. We'll, we'll see what happens when the games count, when the games for real. If they do the same calls they did in that Viking game, then that's atrocious. Well, and that's. I don't think they will. I don't think they, not a chance. And that's what I was going to come back with next here is that roughing the passer penalty, was it Antoine Edwards or something, the defensive end for the Vikings, it's a routine sack. He doesn't drive him into the ground. If you want to go with something about maybe driving a quarterback into the ground, I could give you an example of of Barr versus Rodgers where I could maybe see you calling a penalty on that last year. I wouldn't have called it. But, uh, you know, that that's beside the point. But what Edwards did here in this situation, the defensive end for the Vikings, it's just a routine sack, and he drives him into the ground, but doesn't, you know, like, pound him in there. It just, it's a, it's a, ter- it's, it's an unjustifiable flag and an unjustifiable penalty. And I think it, it has sent the whole, you know, NFL world into, uh, I don't know, a panic or just, just a, like, befuddled, Dazed, confused, look like what the hell is that? Why is that a penalty? I mean, Paul Allen on the telecast called it the worst call in the history of football, or like one of the worst calls he's ever seen, and he's right. There, there, there is no excuse for throwing a flag there. He didn't do anything wrong. He didn't drive with the helmet. It's just, it's stupid. It's absolutely freaking ridiculous. Hopefully, they realize that and they look back at that and say, yeah, that was a bad call. So hopefully they can see that, notice that they got it wrong, and they know not to call that when the games count. It's funny when dipshit Jerry Jones has an issue with with some of the flags that are called, some of the hits, when he's the guy who approved it. He's one of the 32 owners that said, yeah, let's let's make this change to the game. And now he's complaining about it? Shut up, Jerry. Shut up. Yeah, he... I, I, yeah, he you don't got to listen to Jerry Jones. He don't know what the hell's going on. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. He can beat your wife. He can beat your wife. He can do drugs. Don't take any. Yep. Nope. But hey, you can wear your hat during the anthem like Jerry Jones did. So. Yeah, that's fine. And I gotta say one thing, yeah. Paul Allen. I used to like him quite a bit. I'm sure you still do. But it, it, it just comes at a time where it's just like it's it, it's just too much. The stick it's is old stick. Yep. Too much. If it's like goddamn guy. I mean, the offense and the witties and then the whole the whole deal that he does. It's just like goddamn. Yep. No, as much. I'm sure he thinks a lot of himself. He's had a, you know. He's got a pretty, he's entertaining. When I was in like, oh, two, oh, three, I would have the radio on, and then I would listen to that on the radio, and then have it on the TV, and that's what I did for a year or two. I don't do that anymore, but uh, he was good at that, and uh, it's just become a bit much. As the team has gotten better this last year, you know, they were very good, and they should be very good here for a while. Um... It's just too much for me. I completely agree with you on the we and stuff. Uh, I get that he he's part of the team to a degree because it's the Vikings Entertainment Network. Well, so now I've kind of now maybe I'm backtracking here. I I would prefer you just to say, hey, the Vikings. Um, you know, I mean, do, do, do the Vikings pay him? I assume they pay him. Well, yeah, so then that they would technically him that make stuff? him part of the team then, wouldn't it? Well, come on, I mean, 
as a broadcaster, I would say, you know, I'm not on the team. I'm just a guy describing what's going on. I'm not on the field. I have nothing to do with anything involving the team's success or the team's failure. Are you okay if Pete Bursich, former Viking, says it? Well, if you're not on a team anymore, maybe, I mean, it's, if you're the lead play-by-play guy, you want to be a homer, and that's his choice, and he obviously is. But I would not, I would not do that. Okay. If, even, if the, even if it's the team paying me my salary somehow, it's not the station I work for, but it's somehow the team, mm-hmm. I'd say you, no, I would say you still have to have an objective point of view. And you can't be so high when they're doing great, and you can't be so low when they're terrible. You got to be more even keel and more objective. Be like a Cleveland Browns radio guy. That's what you need to be like. Whatever. I mean, they've won. They'll probably they'll, they'll want a Super Bowl before the Vikings. Well, I know that'll happen. So that's. I mean, what is that going to be like when the Cleveland Browns win a Super Bowl? And here we are with our thumbs somewhere stuck it up somewhere, and. Like, oh, yeah, Cleveland Brown. They won a Super Bowl. Uh, I mean, the great travesty. It would be a great travesty, Travis. It would be great. I mean, the Saints have done it. Saints are awful. Eagles have done it. Come on. All these teams. Terrible. Uh, do you care that the WNBA playoffs are starting? No. Okay. As I suspected. Do uh, you care? Well... I was curious from the standpoint that um, I didn't think that the Minnesota Lynx were in the playoffs, and apparently they are. Uh, so that's rather fascinating to me. Um, I think I saw that one game with Vegas ended up costing them a playoff spot, or at least a tie. So that one game they didn't make up and they didn't play. I think they finished one game out, and they were probably 10 games under 500. And who's to they say that they may, like, they may have very well um, maybe Doubtful, won that game Washington, it was Washington they were going to play yep and Washington's in I the think, playoffs I think Washington's like pretty good yep so I I, I mean I doubt they would have won it anyway but I mean, what is it like it's like a 35 game season is all yeah like Jesus Jesus uh, so there there's more WNBA talk than I think we've ever had here on the podcast um, but anyway, that goes in. one game playoff apparently. So they're like they're, they're doing it like the baseball, where they uh, do a one game like playoff that. to to advance. Sounds like the the it was the Sparks and the uh, Lynx. They've been in the finals for a couple of years now. Yep. And like Sparks are like the seven six seed, and the Lynx six are the, the seven seed. Yep. And the one game playoff. Like, goddamn, what happened here? These two teams. Yes. Yeah. Uh. That that's a great question. That's a very good question. The Lynx have had some injuries this year, but um, it, I, I mean, definitely it just it, it's oh. been an off year. And uh, Lindsay Whalen is going to retire at the end of the year. She's going to, uh, she's of course now the women uh, University of Minnesota women's head basketball coach. So uh, she'll be doing that full time. She will, yes. Uh, let's see. All right. Uh, you mentioned the Jackrabbits basketball schedule last week. It still hasn't been announced. Um, a, good, a good journalist never reveals his sources, but where the hell did you find this? The SDSU forums. The what? The SDSU forums. Uh, 
Okay. Well, Hello? Yeah, Hello? no, yep, I, I hear you. SDSU Forum. Yeah, SDSU, but you've been there before, right? So, yes. It's like SDSUfans.com or yep. some damn thing. Yep. It, it, it was in their men's basketball schedule or whatever. Oh, I do, I do see that here. How the hell did they, and they, are, they keep away from announcing, huh? got that. Uh, he has uh, gotten a recruit from T. Noah Friedel, who's, who's a pretty good player. Probably maybe one of the probably the best five players in the state, probably. Uh, T's been pretty good these last couple of years. He's their best player on the team. He's probably probably a top five player. Is is that Would that have been worth a spot from uh, Coach Otzelberger and company? He's going to the right states. Like I said, like Otzelberger is very impressive recruiting uh, Washington, Milwaukee area. He's very impressive because that's where he's where he's come from. That's where his connections are. And maybe his connections are here in South Dakota, so you got a good player here. Like, uh, like Jenkins is great. This kid that they brought in a couple of weeks ago is probably going to be amazing. And so he doesn't, I don't know if he even, not that there's a lot of players here to recruit these last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Well, like I feel like Friedel would have been a nice bench player to, to you know, he could have been on the rotation. I mean, it doesn't seem like SDSU is very deep. You know, right. back, they used to be pretty deep. They would have, they could bring five off the bench, and you could, you know, go deep off the bench. Wait, are we he talking the women's here. basketball team or the men's here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the women are what are amazing at what they do. They're keep, keeping with that deep, deep team. I mean, the men, they only you know, continue to make the tournament, but they're not, I mean, they're just not very deep. Talent is there. Like, yeah, like, uh, like Howell. Howell's not on the team. I thought Howell at his first year, I thought it was very good. And then second year, Howell can't can't find the floor, and now he's not with the team anymore. So that was a disappointment. But um, yeah, Friedel, somebody of note, he goes to to right stage. There's a man I don't think I've mentioned him. I think I have. Kid from Yankton, he's going to be he's a sophomore now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Moore's he's. At least six eight may grow a little more. Can shoot. He's been good for a long time. I think he's been on the varsity probably since seventh grade or eighth grade. And they Jason won a state title tomorrow as the eleventh seed last year because of him. And probably in a couple of years he'll decide. Probably is after his junior year he'll decide. And he'll probably go to uh through a Big Ten or a Big 12 school. Maybe, Wisconsin or something. maybe he'll want to go to SDSU. Didn't to SDSU get a guy who had been offered like D1 scholarships from the likes of like Texas Tech and, and Wichita State or something like that? Yeah, that was a guy a couple weeks ago. It was a good recruit. Biggest recruiter probably we've ever gotten. But uh, I think this Matt Moore is probably going to surpass the sum of the league. If he got a chance to go to a Big Ten school, he should probably do that. Well, as long as he doesn't bypass SDSU for USD, that would be a travesty. Uh, looking at looking at this, if it is official, uh, a Gulf Coast Showcase 
uh, tournament the 19th, 20th, and 21st of November, uh, including Florida Gulf Coast, Colorado State, Louisiana, SDSU, Toledo, UTSA, Texas San Antonio, and Tulane. Uh, so, apart from Florida Gulf Coast and okay, Louisiana. They are expected to be good again this year. So if uh, SDSU and Louisiana had to play, I would liken that to uh, if they were playing Buffalo. Play Buffalo, play whoever, Georgetown, whatever there is. All right. Donuts. There we go. Um, that's it for me. Uh, anything else that you would like to discuss? I did, but I forgot. Oh, WWE, how was the SummerSlam Sunday night? Oh, all right. Better show than they've been doing. It's all right. Brock Lesnar lost, so he's uh, getting ready for his UFC fight. And you were thinking that there might be a conspiracy and he might win, right? No. No? Oh. Like, he's, he's, like he might have, like, he's done. He might have one more match, but he's, he's got to start training for this real fight here. Because at the end of the year, he's got to, like, you know, four or five months out, so he's got to. He's got to be concentrated on that now. Weren't you and Charlie, or was it Schottenkirk and Charlie that were talking about how... Oh, I think it was uh, Schottenkirk said he was going to be ticked if uh, Brock Lesnar won. Yeah, I, mean, he, I mean, he's at the end of his deal. So I don't know how there's any way to win. He's had the title for a year and a half now, and it's, he's going to something else. So he'll be back whenever he'll be back. But he, uh, he lost... He expected somebody to fight and uh, not be the champ. So that's not what happened. Uh, South Dakota high school football starting. Anything interesting to note that no. we should uh, know about? Uh, not really. Same, probably same old, same old. They're not a whole bunch new there. Volleyball starts this weekend, so yay for volleyball. And you will be calling volleyball again this year, correct? Oh, yes. They like the volleyball. And this is a team that should be on the uh, should continue to get better, right? Because are these are they all juniors this year, pretty much? No, all seniors this year. So seniors this is okay. the year. Uh, they're fifth in the preseason poll. Uh, their best player tore her ACL last game of the basketball season. Ugh. Apparently, apparently she's going to be back. Hell of a turnaround, you know, seven months later. But apparently, going to be back at some point. Channeling so her I'm inner really- Carson Wentz. Yes, except she's good. So, like <laughs> and, uh, so I mean, they, they were they were a disappointment in the uh, state tournament last year. They were a two seed, ended up finishing seventh. So, do better than that this year. And we hope they shall. Well, next week. Uh, big college football preview. It's pretty much all we'll be discussing next week. And then the week after, uh, we'll react to week one and uh, reluctantly have an NFL preview for you. Oh, my. That'll be it. Last minutes. <laughs> I, expect you to have a, I expect to have a full uh, game-by-game analysis of every team this year. So Game-by-game, I will struggle to come up with playoff teams. Very good. Anything else, Crins? No. Good. All right. Sounds good. You have a tremendous week, my friend. A terrific, tremendous. Yep. Any any adjective you want to describe it, and uh, we will talk to you next week. All right. Lock them up. We'll see you next week. Lock them up. Who are we locking up here? Lock up the president. He sucks. There you go. Well said. Well said. There we go. Thank you. <laughs>
one, 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 one final point. My uh, Jerry Springer uh, parting shot. I, I'm just, you know, 10, 10, just looking at what is going on now 10, 20, 30 years from now. Yep. Just looking back on this time decades from now, just to see what people were saying, what people thought. It'll be interesting to look at that 10 years from now and say, holy hell. Well, we have security clearance, though, to go back and take a look at all that stuff. Uh, probably not. Oh, okay. Probably not. Probably be stripped of it all, right? Amazing. Quite amazing. Probably will be. <laughs> will be. I, it, I, I'm just kind of at a loss of words as to what to say anymore about it. It's amazing. It's amazing. In a terrible sort of way. <laughs> yes, it is. All right. Thank you, my friend. All right. We'll see you. Travis Grins joining us here at Sports Block Podcast. Always appreciate and always enjoy talking to Travis. Uh, yeah, next week, big college football uh, uh, season preview. Of course, you know we've just started talking about college football. We talked uh, with Charlie Hildebrand from the Sioux City Journal last week. We're going to talk to him again this week, coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Talk to him next week as well. And... Maybe see if Jeff Lloyd from Lockdown Browns, Jeff Lloyd II, Lockdown Browns podcast, come to talk about maybe some potential NFL prospects. So that is something that uh, you're going to want to tune in for next week. It's going to be good stuff there. But uh, as always, you can find this uh, podcast available online on iTunes. Just search Sports Block Podcast. Also follow me on Twitter at NDStack and Facebook, Nathan Stack, and I'll have a link posted to the podcast the middle of later part of the week as always uh, yeah we'll see if we can get a SDSU podcast going in here preview the Jackrabbits next week uh, probably do something separate there for that so it is going to be a busy time probably won't do very many SDSU Jackrabbit podcasts this year kind of morph them so into the regular podcast but we'll see we'll give them a few um, individual podcasts here as we go but coming up next as mentioned Charlie Hillebrand, Sioux City Journal. We previewed the ACC and the SEC last week. Talking Big 12, Pac-12, and Big 10. Or Pac-12, Big 12, Big 10. Whatever the order is, we'll talk about it next here. College football, coming up here on the Sports Block Podcast. All right, we continue here on the Sports Block Podcast. Another week, we're continuing our college football season preview, and pleased to be joined by my good friend Charlie Hildebrand from the Sioux City Journal. Charlie, how are you doing? I'm good. I mean, it was good last week, so I figured I'd come back again. And as long as neither of us have a terrible show, I guess I'll just keep coming back to the season, though. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we do know uh, Bullbound or not is making its triumphant return again this year so we'll we'll get to that probably sometime in uh eh, probably early october once we get a few games under our belt here so that's always in i know the fans love it and you love it as well right i do early october i mean even if we go the first week in october there'll be five games i mean when teams are you know two and three three and two you can start making big season predictions but that's exactly right. and uh, or, or you can do it before the season, like we're doing right now, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're kind of forecasting here who we think's got a chance to make it to the college football playoff. We'll get all those teams. We'll do the Heisman and get to the other conferences next week, maybe see who can uh, crash the 
the Power 5 conferences. So we'll do that next week. But this week we'll discuss the Pac-12, the Big 12, and the Big 10. So let's start out in the West with the Pac-12. This is the conference that I had the most difficult time going through and predicting. Because I can easily see, uh, you know... Everyone seems to be on Washington this year. And is this the year that Washington can make it back to the college football playoff? They surprised a couple of years ago. Then more people started picking them last year. Didn't do great. But this year, Jake Browning returns. Quarterback. They got their running back back as well. Washington really seems to be the predominant favorite in this conference this year. Wouldn't you agree? I would agree. On paper going into it, I think they're the favorite, and it makes sense. You know, like you said, they've got both Browning and Miles Gaskin back. Gaskin's the running back. Chris Peterson back in the head coach, maybe the best head coach in all of the Pac-12. I mean, I think it's probably either him or either him or David Shaw. There's a lot of stuff to like about Washington. Um, I don't know. Are we doing? division pick yet or you want to hold off on that though later uh, we can we can hold off on that um for a couple of minutes here like if you're just looking well if you want to go with the division pick you know we could stay in the pac 12 north i mean it's washington and stanford really i mean stanford you have of course david shaw head coach there um and you have the great running worth noting oregon brings back a pretty good quarterback they also get both washington and stanford in oregon and that could, Granted, I will say, I, I don't have Oregon winning the North, but you got to like that both those teams have to travel to uh, Eugene. Right, and they and Oregon certainly could play spoiler. This Does it seem like Oregon is that people are sleeping on them this year and just don't expect much from them as, in, as compared to years past? Maybe a little bit. They're, they're in a weird spot where Willie Taggart came in, and I think most people expected him. You know, not necessarily in year one, but to be pretty good at Oregon. I think two years ago, Elfrich's last year, they went four and eight, and they went, I think, seven and five in the regular season last year. So they did improve, but obviously Taggart's gone to Florida State. And I'm blanking on their head coach's name. Mario Cristobal. Yeah, who who used to be the head coach at FIU, I think. They promoted him to head coach, so they kept, they kept, uh, their defensive coordinator, I think, uh, Jim Levitt. So I would, and that's just to say that. So it's not a completely brand new staff. There's some continuity, but you know, a new head coach for the third straight year is odd. I think Oregon's interesting. Where, like, I think if they play to their potential and don't screw things up, they can be pretty good. I could also see things being weird for having you know a new coach again for the third straight year. I don't want to spoil all my Pac-12 picks, but like I said, I don't have them winning the division. I do have Oregon going 9-3. So, not winning, but being, you know, like close to being, or on the door, to kind of being back to the Oregon we remember from five or six years ago. And that's very close to what I have them with. I have them at 8-4, and and again, I thought that they were one of the most difficult teams to pick from in the Pac-12. The Pac-12 overall in general, I feel, you know, I think we discussed on the Google chat uh, earlier on Sunday about who, you know, is the SEC still the best conference in the country top to bottom? And I, I think we were kind of in agreement that they may have the two or three best teams, but overall 1 to you know 12 or 1 to 14, they aren't the best. 
I would say arguably the Pac-12 is. Now, Arizona State and Oregon State are going to bring up the rear of the Pac-12, at least in my opinion. But you have you have. I have them both going two and ten and finishing last in the division, so I agree with that. I have them three and nine each. Oh, and I have Cal finishing three and nine as well. So there there are some bad teams in there, but you have you know Stanford and Washington should be good. Oregon should be pretty decent. Then uh, USC, UCLA. I, there just seems to be a lot of above average teams here that they might win a game on the road or lose a game that you'd say, okay, I could definitely see that happening here this year. It was just very difficult for me to peg some of these teams here because of, you know, where they're going. And truth be told, you look at the new coaches that are coming into the Pac-12, Herm Edwards at Arizona State, again, don't expect much from them this year. Mike Sumlin at uh, Arizona, so that's interesting. Kevin Kevin Sumlin, yeah, thank you. Uh, then you have uh, Chip Kelly making his return to the Pac-12. He's at UCLA. Of course, we mentioned Cristobal there at, at Oregon. So there's a lot of new and interesting faces here in the Pac-12 that makes this a very intriguing conference and very difficult to peg who is going to maybe exceed expectations and surprise this year. I agree with some of what you said. I've got the Pac-12 was kind of weird. I've got like a clear... I think they're relatively good at top, on top. I've got five teams finishing with nine wins or more. Mm-hmm. And then I've got one seven and five team and everyone else at six and six is worse. Okay. So uh, I think I think they've got four or five teams that are pretty good, like not, not top two in the country good, but generally good. But I think after that, there's kind of a, a drop-off, and I think the bottoms, in, in terms of comparing conference to conference, I think the Pac-12 had, I, I think the Pac-12 has some of the same problems that the Big Ten does, where the bottom of the conference is really, really, really bad, and when you start comparing it to the ACC and the SEC, one thing that especially the SEC seems to find a way to do is other than like one or maybe two really bad teams, they've got a lot of teams that it's like, you know, they're not great, but they found a way to get to, like, 6 and 6, still. And I, I, I think there's going to be some pretty bad teams in the back below. Yes. I think we kind of mentioned, like, Oregon State, Arizona State, uh, Cal, um, certainly there. They arguably, though, have two of the more exciting players in the country in uh, Bryce Love, running back at Stanford, and then Khalil Tate, the quarterback at Arizona. And... Arizona is a really intriguing team to me. They started out so bad last year and then really picked things up, and it was in large part due to Khalil Tate. And I think they're a, they have an outside shot here to win the Pac-12 South. They're going to compete with USC and UCLA, in my opinion. Uh, I think it. I think they're going to make things very interesting. I don't think they have an outside shot. I think they're straight up going to win the Pac-12 South. Boom! I've got Arizona nine and three. Seven and two in conference, beating USC. Very good. Okay, winning the Pac-12 South. Why do you lean towards? Okay, go ahead. There's a few reasons. The biggest is Khalil Tate, really good. From what I remember, Arizona wasn't very good on defense. They do bring a lot of guys back on defense. We can debate whether that's good or bad, but I think Khalil Tate with Kevin Sumlin coaching. 
I think like you, both you and I kind of like storylines at times. Mm-hmm. I am a sucker for like history and symmetry and stuff. I think Kevin Sumlin's first year at Arizona is going to be a lot like his first year at Texas A&M, which was Johnny Manziel's Heisman year. Mm-hmm. I will tell you, I, I don't have Khalil Fink winning the Heisman. I don't have uh, tech, or Texas A&M finished 11-2 and and beat Alabama that year. I don't have Arizona going quite that good, but 9-3. and three, And, then like, and I, I should say this, I don't have Khalil Tate winning the Heisman. I think he's going to be in New York and be one of two or three guys there that, like, aren't just there, but, like, oh, this guy could legitimately win it. I, I think Arizona is going to be really fun to watch on offense. Mm-hmm. And then the other part of it is, I think USC is good. Like, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if USC won the Pac-12 South. I think Utah is okay. I don't think anyone else in the South is really going to be all that good this year. I think Chip Kelly is going to end up being good at UCLA. I've only got him going 6-6 six and six in year one, though. I think Colorado's not going to be very good, and I think uh, Arizona State's going to be really bad. Yeah, the Pac-12 South, I have, um, if we if we want to just go division by the or the picks here, I, I do have USC winning the South. I'm kind of doing it out of default because I'm not, I wasn't 100% sure as to how I feel about Arizona and, you know, and what Kevin Sumlin might be able to do there. Certainly, if they exceed expectations, I'm all for that, but... I have them at seven and five. I have UC, USC at nine and three, and I have UCLA at eight and four. I think this is. I, I just think Chip Kelly's got something up his sleeve. I'm not saying they couldn't do it. UCLA, or I, I said UCLA at six and six. Mm-hmm. Part of it is UCLA's got just a brutal schedule. Yep. Yeah. Where, I mean, like Fresno State is like no gimme because I think they won eleven games last year. And they've also got to play at Oklahoma in the non-conference. And they've got to play all the three best teams in the North. They've got to play Washington, Oregon, and Stanford. And, I, like, I'm not saying they're going to win or lose all of those, but I think, let's put it this way, if you've got them going 8-4, and four, I'm not saying they can't do it mm-hmm. or that they're void of talent. I think you're going to have to pull a couple upsets to get to 8-4, though. Yeah, I have, um, I mean, you do look at UCLA's home schedule, though, and they do have home games against USC, Stanford, and Washington. So if you are looking for ways to pull off an upset, maybe win an extra game or two that people might not... I do have UCLA upsetting USC, so I I do have beating them. Yep, as do I. So I I think based on UCLA's home schedule, I do think that's where maybe they can steal a game or two and, and... be a little better than most people think. I have Utah, Colorado, and Arizona all at seven and five. I always just Utah is such a weird team to me because I I feel like it's always difficult to go up there and play, and they always seem to to maybe steal a game here or there that may, people might not think. So I have them at seven and five, and like I say, Arizona, I could be way off with them. Uh, I have them losing or losing at Washington State, so maybe and at Houston. So those would be the only two games that I would conceivably say, yes, I need to switch them or even uh, have them losing at home to USC. I could see that not happening as well. But, uh, yeah, just very intriguing to, to see what Arizona does uh, then in, in UCLA and USC for me. What is it about USC that you're a little hesitant on for them this year? I, th- I 
I think the biggest thing is just that they lose so many dudes from last year. Yep. And I can't remember all the guys' names off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure they lost their running back, who was pretty good. I don't remember what his name is. I mean, obviously they lost Sam Darnold, the quarterback. Yep. Who maybe wasn't quite as good his second year as he was at the end of his first year, but, you know, they put more on his shoulders. And I, I think, how should I put this? I think I think Clay Helton's not a bad coach. I don't know that he's truly a great coach, though, Agreed. either. Like, I think it's easier to win at USC than most other schools. And they, 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 they're more talented than on basic, than everybody in the conference every year. And I think when you lose a guy like Darnold, it's just like... I remember hearing someone say a few years ago that USC basically is loaded with talent. And the only difference between them going with finishing with seven or eight wins or winning eleven and twelve is they need a good quarterback to kind of get all those skill guys on board. And I think we kind of saw that a couple of years ago, where they you know they beat Penn State in the Rose Bowl. Uh, they lost to I think to Ohio State in the Fiesta Bowl last year, but still won the Pac-12. But you know they had super talented guys and they had a great quarterback playing for them, and I just. I don't think that whoever's going to be their quarterback this year, like, I don't think he's going to be terrible. I don't think he's going to be as good as Sam Darnold. And, and like, I don't think they're going to be bad. I mean, I've still got him going 9-3. and three. I've got him losing three road games to Stanford, Arizona, and UCLA. So, overall, Pac-12 South, in the order of ranks, you have Arizona, and then uh, who else do you have down the line in the order of the divisions? Or in the Arizona, 9-3. and three. USC at nine and three. Uh, I've got UCLA finishing third with a five and four conference record, but six and six overall. I've got Utah at seven and five, but with a four and five conference record. Then I've got Colorado at four and eight, and Arizona State at two and ten. Okay. Colorado, I don't know. Like I know Colorado plays in Nebraska this year. I don't have any really good feel on Colorado. Were they surprised and were pretty good two years ago and really underwhelmed last year? Like if if you want to say Colorado's going to go six and six or seven and five, I could see it happening. Because I mean, honestly, I, I think in the South, Arizona and USC are probably going to be good, and then I think some of those other teams are going to have to beat each other. So some of them are going to have to get wins somewhere. Yeah, I I agree with you on on Utah here. I have them at seven five, and the, the only difference is I, I have Arizona with two fewer losses. I have Colorado at seven five, and then we both have Arizona State bringing up the rear. Uh, so then we go to the north. Uh, mentioned that Oregon does have Stanford and Washington both at home. So those are, of course, two really intriguing um, games right right off the bat there. But oh, then one, one sorry one real quick thing on the south I yep. wanted to bring up that I forgot earlier. The three best teams in the North, Washington, Stanford, and Oregon, Arizona plays none of them. Yeah. That's the other reason that I've got them doing really well. Is I don't think Arizona is like one of the two or three best teams in the Pac-12, but by virtue of playing in the South and having the right schedule, I think they're just, like I've got them losing at Houston in week two or three. And then losing at Utah and at UCLA. Yep. So like I don't think Arizona's top ten good. I think they have the right schedule, the right coach, and the right quarterback to just kind of have one of those seasons where they're pretty good and make the conference title game. And if you make the conference title game, who knows what could happen. 
We have the exact same three losses for Arizona. I just have a couple of other ones, them losing to USC and then at Washington State. That at Washington State one I could easily be talked out of. And I can easily see them beating USC as well. But back to the north now. Uh, that big game is going to come up between Stanford and Washington on November 3rd. It is in Washington. I do believe that's going to be the difference ultimately in who uh, makes it to the Pac-12 championship game. And I like Washington a lot. I I know, I, I feel like they're going to lose somewhere along the line here. And I, I haven't quite decided if I'm going to make them a playoff team yet. I don't believe I am because I just look at this schedule here that they do have trips to Utah. As I mentioned, I think Utah is always a dangerous or difficult place to play. They're at UCLA. They're at Oregon. If they can survive those, I think they're fine. Really, the, their most difficult schedule or game of the year is the first game, that neutral site game with Auburn. Uh, is that fair to say? I think, uh, I think Stanford's pretty good, too. The, the Stanford and Auburn are very different in terms of style. I think those are their two, stuff, two toughest. I think it's fair to say Auburn, with what we know about right now, is probably looks tougher than Stanford, if anything, just because Stanford plays at Washington, so it's a home game for Washington. Yep. And while the game against Auburn's a neutral site game, if I remember right, it's in Atlanta, so I would imagine it'll be two thirds to three quarters Auburn fans. Yep. Yep. No, I I agree with that. There, and the only other game I have Stanford losing would be against Notre Dame. So I really think Stanford's got a. a a lot going for them here. They have potential trip ups against Oregon. I do believe they play San Diego State again this year, so watch out for the the Aztecs there. No Rashad Penny, but uh, that aside, I think San Diego State has a chance. That's to- all right. They'll just replace them with another two thousand yard rusher. Because I think watch. I think San Diego State said like four guys run for two thousand yards in the last six years. Right. Slightly exaggerating, but but yeah, the way they churned those guys out is impressive. Yeah. So and. So there you have, it's Washington and Stanford. I, Oregon's going to play in a, a factor in it. Again, no doubt, I think, you know, they could certainly trip up or they could certainly upend Stanford or Washington at home. But ultimately, in the south, I have, or in the north, I have Washington winning. And no offense to, to Cal and Oregon State and Washington State, but uh, just not going to happen this year. Don't do a lot for me. Uh, Mike Leach is going to, of course, have to replace um, his starting quarterback uh, up there in Washington State this year, so it could be an interesting year. And unfortunately, the guy who was going to be his backup quarterback committed suicide in January or whatever. So, like, I mean, tragedy, that's really bad, and I'm not trying to, like, over, like, gloss over that because that's right. terrible. But in addition to that, I mean, in terms of football, also, the guy who you were probably... If Luke Falk left or graduated, yep. so the guy you were going to replace him with, now you can't. So it's, uh, The guy they're going to play doesn't have any experience. Certainly, I'm sure he'll be okay. But yeah, I I, I, I have Washington going their state going 6-6. Six six. As do I. I've got a bowl game, but I, I don't think they're going to be very good this year. I, their I, defense coordinator left to get who... You know, they had their best defense in years. He left to go to Ohio State. And they lose a lot of guys, and I, I think it's going to be a struggle year for the Cougars. And six and six might even be putting it, you know, like a, a, a positive spin 
on this season. So in the North, uh, give me your standings. Who do you have? I've got Washington first, eleven and one. Their only loss at Oregon. So I've got Washington beating Auburn in Week One. Uh, Stanford, I have the same as you. I think I've got them going ten and two, losing at Notre Dame and at Washington. Yep. Oregon, I have. I wrote this down wrong. Oregon, I thought I had it nine and three. I have Oregon at ten and two because I can't have Washington and Oregon both lose to each other. Right. So I've got Oregon going ten and two, losing to Stanford and losing at Arizona. Um, and then after that, Washington State six and six, Cal four and eight, Oregon State two and ten. I have Cal three and nine, Oregon State three and nine as well. Uh, there, but yeah, Washington eleven one. Uh, Stanford ten and two, Oregon eight and four, Washington State six and six, Cal and Oregon State three and nine. So Pac twelve championship game. I have Washington versus USC, and I have Washington winning. You have Washington against Arizona. Are you riding it out with Khalil Tate? Khalil Tate, Arizona? No, I'm just kidding. Not getting it done. Oh. I've, got, I've got Washington <laughs> winning, so they will have wins over uh, Auburn. Stanford uh, and Arizona in the Pac-12 title game will be good enough to get in the playoffs. I don't know. We'll see next week. That's right. Uh, good tease. Good tease. Thank you very much for but that. I, I, I do think Washington is going to be pretty good. In the last few years, you know, there have been a lot of jokes about their uh, their, their non-conference schedule. Yep. Which, which you know were valid. Their non-conference schedule wasn't very good, and they're you know they play three non-conference games. Two of them aren't very good, but. When you're playing Auburn in week one, I mean, even if Auburn has a down year, I would imagine they're going to go 7-5 or 8-4. and four. It so. raises your profile uh, a lot, though. So What's that? It raises their profile a, a whole hell of yeah. a lot. Absolutely. And so, so if they go undefeated or only lose one game, maybe they wouldn't get in the playoffs, but you can't say, like, oh, no, they had a terrible non-conference schedule. I mean, when you're basically playing – Auburn on the road more or less. Big 12 we go here now. Uh, there is a championship game in the Big 12 this year. The Big 12 certainly wants to see what they can do to raise their profile in the eyes of the college football playoff committee and try and get a spot in the playoff. Uh, I don't know if they're going to get it. Of course, I guess Oklahoma made it last year, but um, it, overall, the, the Big 12 seems to be that team that oftentimes kind of gets left out of the fold, and that's why they're ultimately bringing back the champion, the championship game this year, right? They brought it back last year. This is the second year with the championship game. But, but I, oh, I is agree it? That, yeah, last year, Oklahoma beat TCU. It's understandable that mm. you don't remember. Wasn't oh, very yes. Close. Nope, I, I do remember that Oklahoma now. Oklahoma both in the regular season and in the Big 12 title game. And there were... I don't remember which one. One of the conference was Ohio State and Wisconsin was pretty close. I do, so people I, were paying more attention. And then I think Auburn and Georgia was going on at that same time. So everyone was like, oh, well, these teams are both ranked in the top four. Let's, let's watch this one. No, I, I do remember that now, and that's, uh, I think, in large part why Oklahoma may have gotten in. Uh, but Baker Mayfield's not there. Kyler Murray is. He, if you... If you think that name sounds familiar, it's because he did get drafted by the Oakland A's. So he's going to be the quarterback at Oklahoma for 
over the next four months or so, and then I would have to imagine that he's going to put the football career, uh, just hang him up and go to the majors, but you never know. Maybe he wants to get drafted into the NFL. We shall see, but uh, Oklahoma, they are going to be intriguing. Uh, they look very good. This, again, is a conference that has a lot of high-quality teams up near the top. You know, the Texas, the Oklahomas, the West Virginias, the Oklahoma States, wouldn't you say? I agree. I don't think this year that they are going to have a top-end team like the SEC or Big Ten, but I think there's going to be a real, like, kind of jam-packed cluster, you know what, Yep. at the top of the Big 12. I have uh, four teams going 7-2, and two, and that basically having to use tiebreakers to figure out who's going to play in the conference title game. I've got, I've got four teams winning at least nine games in the Big 12. As do I. As do I. Yeah, and this... Is- yeah, this is going to be a very top-heavy conference. Uh, at the bottom, at the bottom of the of the conference, uh, the likes of Kansas. I have Kansas at two and ten. I have them beating Nicholas uh, or Nichols State and Rutgers and winless in conference play. So we'll see if that means they're going to go with a new head coach or not. Uh, I then, won't have Kansas beating Nichols State. I don't even have them beating Rutgers. Oh. <laughs> And then one uh, eleven. And then I have Baylor at four and eight. Which is just real quick, just for fun. Yep. If that happens, when they go one and eleven, and their head coach, uh, what's his name, David Beatty, I think, mm-hmm. and he gets fired, I think that will mean he was there for four years. He won three games, two of them against FCS teams. So the only FBS team he finishes with a win over in his career is Texas. Which would just be kind of hilarious if you think about it. It would. It would. Yeah, Texas is back. No, thank you. <laughs> so uh, I have Baylor. At, so just to go at the bottom there, then Baylor. I have them at four and eight, and Texas Tech at four and eight as well. Cliff Kling, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, uh, handsome devil that he is. Uh, just don't see it uh, panning out very well for him. Uh, I think you know lack of defense. Oh, out there in Lubbock certainly hurts, but uh, Texas Tech, I just don't have a lot of faith in this year. It's worth noting that Texas Tech's defense, like by standard measures, wasn't very good last year, especially, you know, compared to like Big Ten and AC or an SEC schools that, you know, play more traditional football. Mm-hmm. For Texas Tech, they were a lot better than last year. I mean, in terms of yards, I think they were bad, but they all ended like all jokes and quotation marks aside. They only gave up, I think, 30 or 31 points per game, which in the Big 12, and not having the kind of guys they have, isn't half bad, and they scored a lot. The problem with Texas Tech is, while I think they might be okay on defense again, they've only got five starters back. None of them are skill players. So they've got their five offensive linemen back. I think they might be good at pass blocking, but when none of your receivers and none of your quarterbacks started games last year, like, I, I, I'm sure Texas Tech will still throw for a lot of yards, but when push comes to shove and there's a lot of those, you know, close games where teams like Oklahoma and TCU and Texas and Oklahoma State are more talented, I don't know if all these inexperienced guys will be able to pull out some of these wins which, uh, routinely. I, I've got Texas Tech going 5-7, and seven, so I think one game better than you, but not going to a ball. So Oklahoma... 
like you say, it seems like there are a lot of teams that could uh, that will compete up near the top. That you know, TCU, Oklahoma State, Texas, and West Virginia. Let's uh, focus in on Texas for a moment here. This is year two under Coach Herman. Uh, he obviously did good things at uh, at the University of Houston, and seems to have Texas going in the right direction here. What uh, what makes you think that Texas? has a decent chance this year to to maybe win the Big 12. Well, second, I'm going to surprise you with this. A lot of people recently, Texas has been on a lot of six and six, seven and five years. I got Texas going nine and three. I think they're going to be pretty good. Their defense was pretty good last year. They're more talented than most of the teams they play. I think they just needed a coach and a quarterback to get them to take that next step and really be good. I think Tom Herman's the guy as the coach. It looks like I'm blanking on his name for a second. I think Sam Ellinger's the quarterback. I think he could be the guy, or at least Tom Herman will help him develop to be the guy. Although I, I, I don't have Texas winning the Big 12. I've got them going 9-3, and three, though. I think they this is year two where they take a step forward, and maybe they don't quite get to their Mac Brown from like 2000 to 2009 run or they win 11 games every year or whatever. But I think Tom Herman has them on the road to being pretty good in, in the Big 12, where they and Oklahoma are essentially going to be slugging it out for conference supremacy for years to come. West Virginia, to me, is the most interesting team in this conference, maybe outside of Oklahoma, from the mere standpoint that Will Greer, starting quarterback there, uh, he, he was at Florida for a a year or two, you know, he got, got injured. Steroids and got suspended for a year or two, if I yep. remember right. Yes, he did. And then last year, he seemed to be doing pretty good, and then broke his hand. And then West Virginia kind of fell off a little bit uh, down the stretch there. But when he's healthy, I think he can make West Virginia as potent of an offensive team and as good of a team as any in this conference. Their offense is really good, and they've got really – they might have the best receiving core in the Big 12, which is saying something. They've got a David Sill, that receiver, mm-hmm. really good. A great white guy at receiver, and normally I don't bring up race, but it's interesting when you find guys who are white that are that good. But the, the real interesting thing, do you know the interesting thing about David Sill, of what else he's famous for? I uh, do. Oh, I feel like I've heard something about him before, but um, I, it's not coming to mind right off. He was a seventh-grade quarterback that USC head coach Lane Kiffin offered a scholarship. Huh. Obviously, Lane coach either Lane Kiffin wasn't at USC anymore, and he isn't still a quarterback. He's a receiver now, but it seems like overall things worked out for him because he's one of the best receivers in the country. Is he better than Jake Wynicki? I think he's, he's different than Jake Wendy. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they're both they're both tall, good white receivers. I, I think I, I knew. I I know. I just had to ask the question. <laughs> and also, I'm just kind of talking for a second because I'm flipping through my Bill Steele guide real quick, trying to check one thing that I'm pretty sure, but wanted to double check on. And then also, they've got uh, Gary Jennings back at receiver, too, who had more yards than Phil. He had 1,096 receiving yards and 97 catches. Phil's had 60 catches for 980 yards. So they've got 
Also, they lost another guy who had a, or a senior last year who had about 900 receiving yards. I don't remember his first name. His last name was White. He's gone, but but the two guys they've got back. I, West Virginia is really interesting to me because if they can have one of those years where things break right, especially in terms of health, where they don't lose guys to injuries, I think they could win the conference. Mm-hmm. I will say I do not have them winning the conference. I think they maybe get a little banged up. It always seems like it's harder for West Virginia to go on the road than the other teams in the conference just because they're outside of the geographic footprint of the rest of them. Exactly. But, like, with all that said, I still got them having a relatively okay year, and you just toss in one or two games going a little bit differently, and uh, they could they be pretty good. You, even if they don't finish with a great record, I think they might be the most fun offense to watch in the Big 12 this year. Oklahoma State uh, lost Mason Rudolph and James Washington, a good uh, quarterback-wide receiver combo there. Uh, what do we make of what the Pokes might do this year? With losing those guys, it's hurt, that hurts. Also, it's worth noting that Mike Gundy, it sounds or it looks like, maybe cut his mullet off this offseason. Part of me wonders if he's kind of like uh, Samson from the Old Testament where he cut his hair and now his power is going to be gone and Oklahoma State maybe slips back a little bit. I do have Oklahoma State going 9-3. and three. I think Gundy's a good enough coach and he they recruit. I mean, they don't recruit like Oklahoma or Texas do, but they're good at getting guys to do what they want to do in their system. Final uh, qu- Oklahoma State kind of underwhelmed last year, too. I mean, not that they were bad, but as many guys as... Like, you can't fault them to losing to Oklahoma because, you know, Oklahoma maybe had the best quarterback in Big 12 history. Right. But they still kind of underwhelmed. Part of me wonders now with, like, not the same expectations if maybe they kind of overachieve a little bit. I mean, I, 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 I don't have Oklahoma State winning the Big 12, but I think they're going to be pretty good. Uh, no offense. Here. Uh, the final question I have here before we get to the conference standings here: uh, Bill Snyder, uh, the ageless wonder at uh, Kansas State. What kind of team is he going to preside over this year? That's a good question. It's tough to tell with Kansas State a lot of the time. I know a lot of people like picking Kansas State as like a dark horse sleeper in the conference when Bill Snyder has a returning starter at quarterback. I'm blanking on his name. I think it might be Jesse Ertz. But, but they do have a returning starter at quarterback. But, I, 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 I mean, I've got, I've got Kansas State going 6-6. Six six. I think they're just going to be okay this year. I mean, I think they they will upset somebody that you'll say, oh, that's surprising because I didn't think Kansas State would win. But, you know, Snyder's a good coach and they'll do that. And I think they'll probably drop a weird game to someone that maybe they shouldn't do also. I agree. I have them kind of at 6-6. Six and six. So that leads us here to the Big 12 standings and the championship game pick. Here, uh, what do you have for the, the conference, uh, the Big 12 conference standings? Well, I feel like you should say yours first. Okay. Because, like, yep. spoiler alert for the listeners, some of these picks we knew ahead of time from yep. another show that we do. Mm-hmm. So we did know each other's Big 12 picks. I tried to tee you up saying, you're going to be really surprised. I got 10 oh, yes. going 9-3. and three, yep. And I thought set you up to hit it out of the park I'll just I'll do it again a lot of people sleeping you know Texas hasn't been that great recently 
probably shock stacking, but I got him going nine and three. I, what do you think about that? I I am shocked. I'm not. Uh, I I didn't see that one coming at all, Charlie. Uh, it might surprise you, but I have them at ten and two. Uh, I have Texas and Oklahoma both ten and two. I have TCU, West Virginia, and Oklahoma State all at nine and three. And then oh, what do we got here? Uh, Iowa State seven and five, Kansas State six and six, Baylor four and eight, Texas Tech four and eight, Kansas two and ten. I have a four-way tie in terms of conference record, um, but overall record. What's the so? I've got TCU first, nine and three, seven and two in conference. I actually had to go to the Big 12 website and figure out the tiebreakers for the way I had this. So, but I've got TCU first, Oklahoma second at ten and two, Oklahoma State third at nine and three, Texas fourth at nine and three. I've got Iowa State fifth at eight and four. I've got West Virginia sixth, also at eight and four. I've got West Virginia basically only losing road games because. In the past, I've been burned by picking them to win, you know, on, on the road where they've got to take, like, a four-hour plane flight to get there. Yep. Um, and then Kansas State 6-6, six and six, Texas Tech 5-7, and seven, Baylor 3-9, and nine, Kansas 1-11. Big 12 championship game, I have Oklahoma against Texas, and I have Texas coming out on top of the Big 12 here. Coach Herman going to do magnificent things here in year two at Texas, but not going to the college football playoffs, so they will not be, I, the spoiler alert, no Big 12 team from the uh, making it to the college football playoff this year. What say you? I've got 9-3 and three TCU against 10-2 and two Oklahoma. If Oklahoma would win, you know, 11-2, it probably wouldn't be good enough to get in the playoffs, but you never know. Irrelevant, though, I've got TCU winning. I've got the Horned Frogs. Gary Patterson finding a way defensively to kind of muddy up Oklahoma's offense and win, I don't know, let's say 31-24. Horn Frogs going to the, uh, I lost the sheet, different sheet I have it on, which, anyways, TCU winning the conference and going to the uh, New Year's Six game. All right. Big Ten, final uh, final conference that uh, the the Power Five conferences that we'll preview here. This the conference that neither of us know anything about or have any experience watching at all. Absolutely not. It's not. It's not like we've watched Minnesota Golden Gopher football or been big fans of Nebraska football here over the course of our lifetimes. Here, no, uh, only Rutgers. That's the only team we like in the Big Ten. That's right, and they're just the relative newcomers here. Uh, we we documented last week the issues going on at Ohio State and Maryland, and ultimately, as of the recording of this podcast, we don't have. Uh, we still don't know yet what is going on with Coach Urban Meyer and Ohio State. And that leaves me in flux with them because I think they could be really good. I think Ohio State is a playoff. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not breaking any news to anyone here, but I do think that they are a playoff caliber team. And if Urban Meyer is fired, uh, I don't see them being able to stay in that playoff discussion because I think his expertise or his coaching, his it, not having that will ultimately cost them a game or two that they otherwise may not have lost uh, with him. So in the Big Ten East... Real quick, on Ohio yeah. State, just, I, just your quick... I mean, I, I don't want to go deep into the Ohio 
State Urban Meyer stock. But, like, 17 days ago or whatever on that Friday, they said, hey, investigation, we're going to have this wrapped up in two weeks. Two weeks later on that Friday, they said, well, we're not done. We're going to have it done on Sunday. We're recording this on a Sunday. It's like 9.30 at night. They still don't have anything unless they broke that, like, incredibly in the last five minutes or so. Do you think this keep pushing it back to, like, well, two weeks to no, no, three more days to, well, no, not yet? Like, do you, like, I, I don't want to read too much into it. Like, do you, do you think that maybe makes it seem like you're, I, I think you read on what they're thinking to do. Or I think they, I think, you think this is just they're not done investigating stuff. Oh, I don't. I think they're trying to do whatever they can to try and keep Urban Meyer. I think that's why they're prolonging this investigation. And actually, I think maybe and maybe I'm just overthinking it here. But the longer that they prolong it and looking for something here to or looking for a reason to say yes, we got to keep them, the more than I think. That they're just gonna, they're not finding what they're looking for, so they ultimately are gonna have to fire him. Does that make sense in a in a weird roundabout way? I think I sort of get what you're saying. I, I feel like I'm fifty fifty on whether they're gonna get rid of him or not. I don't think that this should change my thought at all, but I feel like the longer it goes, the more likely it is that he gets fired. That if they weren't gonna fire him. They would have just been like, great, this, we're, we're not going to do it. We don't care what you guys think. We're done. This is over. And when it goes on and it's longer, I find it odd. Just unless there's, you know, they're like, oh, well, actually, maybe we should interview this person quick and they're not done yet. It could be that they wanted this done fast and the people in charge of the investigating, they're like, no, this takes longer. Give us more time. And you know what? Maybe we're really not going to know anything until they announce something. So with that being said, the Big Ten East, of course, is always the more intriguing of the two, um, just because of the the teams in it. You have Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State, uh, and Mich- You know, so Ohio State, Urban Meyer issues aside, Ohio State's going to be really good again this year, don't we think? I quarterback, defense, uh, weapons all around. Ohio State's just got that caliber team to really make a run here at a at the playoff I think they're good enough to win the Big Ten they're good enough to get in the playoff quarterback uh, well Dwayne Haskins I think is his name he played against Michigan and led him to a comeback win over Michigan when JT Barrett got hurt other than that he hasn't played much like I, I think he'll probably end up being good but I always in situations like that think well let's wait and see it you know, game after game, week after week. But either way, I mean, they've they're loaded on defense. They're they're loaded on offense. I think, unless something like unless a whole bunch of players get suspended, they're still going to be more talented than everybody they play in the regular season. Now, I don't have them going undefeated. I think even if Urban Meyer comes out of their scotch free, I don't think they're going to go undefeated because it's really hard to do that. And, I mean, I don't know about you. I, I kind of split the difference of whether he's going to get fired or not. I don't want to spoil everything. I do not have Ohio State winning the If, uh, so, yeah. I don't, yeah, that's, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I'm just, 
Ohio State just perplexes me with how they go. You mentioned Michigan here. They do bring Shea Patterson in, the quarterback from Ole Miss. And it, it seemed to me like when they brought him in that it was going to be a foregone conclusion that he was going to have the starting quarterback job. It sounds like he's still in a battle. So Michigan's going to be in a constant uh, with Jim Harbaugh. I feel like he's going to well, be... the other thing you got to remember with Harbaugh, though, is he like doesn't ever release death charts and doesn't want to like give anything... To the media either, which, which in some cases I think is fair, and I can understand why you're doing it. But but that's just to say that like I I, I don't know like it's possible that he knows he's going to be the starting quarterback and just doesn't want to tell anyone. But, but maybe they are still in a battle. We 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 don't know. But like I, I think everybody's assuming Jay Patterson's going to be the starter either way. Do you think though that throughout the season that Harbaugh could? play musical chairs with the quarterback position like if you know because this battle has been ongoing here whoever he goes with he's just going to go with a hot hand essentially you know do we anticipate any quick yanks at I all? mean it's possible especially if we throw in that just injuries happen I mean last year they had a whole bunch of injuries Will Spade I think only played like three or four games and got hurt and I think was out for the year after that and then they rotated between the two other guys, and the rotating, like, kind of had to do with just who was healthy at the time. So, like, even if it's not so much you're not playing well, it could be because of that. And, like, Shea Patterson was really good at Ole Miss, but that's a completely different offensive system and offensive style. And, you know, being a spread kind of gunslinger quarterback, I'm certainly not saying it can't work at Michigan and Harbaugh's, you know, kind of old-fashioned, traditional pro-style system. But I don't think it's, like, a perfect fit necessarily either. Like, I I could see him being pretty good, but I could also see it being like, oh, well, this isn't what he's good at. Maybe he's just okay instead of as good as he was at Ole Miss. What do we think about Michigan? Yeah, it, it does. You know, it, it certainly does. So what do we think about Michigan State's chances this year? I mean, I think they got a shot. The thing you like is that they bring, like, almost everybody back. I think they've got 17 or 18 starters back, including Brian Lewerke at quarterback. Kind of an up-and-down year passing, but I think you would imagine he'd be better with the year of experience under his belt. He's also more mobile than most. I mean, he's not like LaMarcus Jackson, or Lamar, sorry, Lamar Jackson, mm-hmm. by any means. But he can move around a little bit, which is kind of rare for a Michigan State quarterback. I think they're going to be good. Like I think, I think it's also fair to say that in terms of just talent on rosters, that Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan are almost always more talented than Michigan State. It just depends if the Michigan State coaches, you know, have been better prepared to play in what Michigan State, you know, home and away games are. But I, I think they're going to be good, but I, I've only got Michigan State going 9-3 and three and not winning the division. As do I. Uh, Penn State, they lose Saquon Barkley, but Trace McSorley, their quarterback, comes back. Sounds like they have another decent running back in the wings waiting you know, behind Saquon Barkley. Uh, I really like Penn State uh, again this year, though not as much as I did last year, but I think they will certainly be up near the top of the Big Ten East. I think they're going to be good. The thing that concerns me the most about Penn State isn't losing Saquon Barkley, although that's a big deal. It's losing offensive coordinator Joe Moorhead to Mississippi State where he's the head coach now. Yep. Trace McSorley being back 
I like that a lot, though. I mean, I think he's the best returning quarterback in the Big Ten and has, like, the... Like, he's got, like, the the, the mentality and the moxie, and I think he kind of has it, whatever it is, more so than any of the other Big Ten quarterbacks, you know, at least based off what we know. So I think he might win a game or two that maybe they wouldn't normally. I think Penn State's going to be pretty good. I do not have Penn State winning. So no offense to the Indianas, Marylands, and Rutgers of the world, but they just don't really matter a whole lot in the Big Ten East. So let's look at the Big Ten East standings and uh, break it down. Who, who do you have? I've got Michigan winning the East, 10-2, 8-1 in conference, losing at Notre Dame to open the year, and losing at Michigan State. I think with all the Michigan win 8-5 and five last year and had troubles and everything, the thing that a lot of people forget to say that last year Michigan had one starter back on defense still finished with one of the best defenses in the country. Mm-hmm. They had four starters back on offense. One of them was their quarterback, Wilton State, who was out for the year after the third or the fourth game. Yep. So they were the most inexperienced team in the Big Ten. Picked up a lot of experience. I mean, they, they got blown out by Penn State, but had close games with Wisconsin, and Ohio State, Michigan State, and I think this is, I, I think Michigan's going to look more like year one or year two under Harbaugh than year three. So I've got Michigan winning. I've got Penn State second at nine and three. Uh, I have uh, Ohio State third at ten and two, but Ohio State losing to both Penn State and Michigan. Uh, Michigan State at three, or, at, or Michigan State at four at nine and three. I had Maryland at six and six. I did this long enough ago where uh, it was before they investigated into uh, the Maryland players' death, uh, Jordan McNair's. Mm-hmm. I don't think Maryland's going to go six and six. I, and I think they're. I think the other three teams, Maryland and Rutgers and Indiana, are all going to be bad. I think. I do. I mean, I've got Rutgers going four and eight, so I suppose better than normal. As do I've I. I've got them winning the conference game. But like they're they're all three gonna be bad though. Yep. Uh, nope. I I agree there. So I have actually I still have Ohio State winning the East, though. Like I say, that could definitely change. Sense. I mean, part of it was we don't know what Urban Meyer's doing. If, if Urban Meyer's not gonna be fired, I probably I think I might end up switching. Ohio State from 10-2 to 11-1, man. Yep. I, right now, I'm just going it based off of until Urban Meyer is no longer the head coach there, I'm going to go with Ohio State there, or, you know, that he is coaching there. So I'll take Ohio State to win the East at 11-1. I have Penn State at 10-2 losses at Michigan and uh, against Wisconsin. Then I have Michigan at 9-3, Michigan State at 9-3, but uh, Michigan going ahead because uh, they only have two conference losses. I have Michigan State with three conference losses. And then uh, what do we got here after that? Yeah, Maryland at 5-7, Rutgers at 4-8, Indiana at 4-8. So... uh, That's what we got there. So I I like Ohio State a lot. In the Big Ten West... Uh, new face, Scott Frost at Nebraska. You are very excited about that. Uh, what do you expect from the Nebraska Cornhuskers this year in year one under Mr. Frost? 
I think they're going to be better. I don't think that's going out on too far of a limb when they went 4-8 and eight last year and had the worst defense in school history. I don't know if by numbers it was the worst, but their other worst defense was when they were in the Big 12 and all the offenses were great. It was not like Nebraska played a lot of loaded offenses last year. Um, we've talked about in the past how I always have a thing that if a coach gets fired and they were really good, that a lot of times the players don't immediately buy in for the next coach. Like when Nebraska fired Bo Pelini and Hawk brought in Mike Riley. Kind of like with Minnesota in year one when they uh, they fired Tracy Clays and they weren't as good the next year under P.J. Fleck. Yep. The opposite of that, though, is when you're really bad, I think coach or, or players are more willing to change anything that's going wrong because they want to win because it's no fun when you're terrible. So I would imagine that there's going to be more effort. There's going to be a lot of things we didn't see from Nebraska last year where they were just brutal to watch it die. Now, I mean, I don't have Nebraska winning nine or ten games. I think they'll probably end up being pretty good in year two or three under Frost, but are kind of moving some things around in year one. They'll probably get blown out once, maybe twice. But I think they're going to be good enough to go to a bowl game, and by the end of the year, you'll be able to look at them and say, oh, well, they look better than last year. It looks like things are on the right track now. Uh, Minnesota, I had a lot of high expectations last year with P.J. Fleck, lofty expectations. Uh, they certainly uh, – did not meet uh, whatever I put. I think I had them at like 11, 1 or 10 and 2, something ridiculous. Um, that's not going to happen this year, but I do like Miss Minnesota to take that uh, a big step forward. I have them at 8 and 4, and I think that they can, uh, I think they're going to impress this year. I think they're going to do some things. They're a young team, and they're going to gain a lot of experience this year. So I think next year is that, that year that you really are going to want to watch for the Gophers to, to make a run. But this year, I think they're going to be uh, pretty respectable. I have them better than last year. I don't think they're going to be all that great this year just because they're even younger than they were last year. Mm-hmm. And they're even less experienced at quarterback now, which I think is going to be problematic. I think they're going to be good enough to get to six wins and get to a bowl game, though, which you would want those extra bowl practices you know, in year two. And then they will have a chance in year three where they will be much, much, much more experienced to take another step. So even though it's year two for Minnesota, I think they're sort of in a situation kind of like Nebraska where I don't think they will be great, but I think you will look at them. Like, other than Minnesota's game against Nebraska last year where they just torched them at the end of the year, Minnesota didn't look great at the end of the year. I think they will look better at the end of the year this year where it looks like they're improving and you will think, okay, this is where we're headed for year three with a chance to take a jump in year three. So I I don't have them great, but I've got them going to a bowl game. So better than last. Unfortunately for both of our teams, though, uh, they still have to deal with Wisconsin, and Wisconsin looks as good as ever uh, this year. They just... I mean, they are the North Dakota State of FBS football. They just like to run it a lot. Uh, they just need some solid quarterback play, but they have great offensive linemen, and they have solid defense. And I don't know why, but I'm I just I, I'm just buying into the Wisconsin hype this year. This has a, this team has a lot of good mojo going around it, and I think Wisconsin's uh, going to do a lot of good things this year. In part, not not in part, but. 
I think that that Big Ten championship game last year has left such a bad taste in their mouth with the way that game fell uh, for them when they lost. So I will say that Wisconsin has a big year coming up ahead this year. Well, they only lost once last year, that Big Ten title game you mentioned. They beat Miami in Miami in the Orange Bowl, and that, you know, turnover chain Miami. They finished 11-3, and if I remember right. So they were pretty good. Mm-hmm. I think Wisconsin, I also think they're going to be really good. I can't tell you historically what Wisconsin was like in, you know, the 50s, 60s, and 70s and everything. I know they did make the Rose Bowl a couple years. In our lifetime, this was not the Wisconsin team with the best record, but I think that Russell Wilson Wisconsin team was the best Wisconsin team in our lifetime, where they were they were so good on offense and they had an NFL quarterback, which they don't have. I mean, they've had quarterbacks play in the NFL, but not nearly as dynamic as Russell Wilson. And they had both Nick Toon and Jared Averdaris at receivers, so they had a really good receiving core. I think this is the best Wisconsin team since that year. And they might even end up being better on offense than that team. I don't think their quarterback is as good as Russell Wilson, but they are in such a good place at basically every other spot. They've got—I think they've got all their receivers back. Although they did have a receiver today, I guess, like take an indefinite leave of absence from the team. So I don't know if he'll be back or not. If he's not, it's not ideal, but. You know, whiteouts is not what's going to make or break the deal with Wisconsin. The biggest thing is they had a running back who ran for almost 2,000 yards last year. He's back. And they've got all freaking five offensive linemen back. I think three of which were all Americans last year. Maybe just two. So, like, Wisconsin's going to have the best offensive line in the country. And at a school that's been great at having offensive lines for the last 25 years, this might be the best offensive line in Wisconsin school history. Wow. So, I think at quarterback, and unfortunately I'm blanking on the guy's name, I know he's, or Alex Hornibrook, that's his name. Wasn't great, but wasn't terrible. I would imagine going into his third year, he'll probably be a little bit improved. I don't think he's going to be have to be great for most of the teams they play against, because they're going to be so good on offense. And they lose some guys on defense, but second, we're both Big Ten West guys. Every year, Wisconsin loses guys on defense. Right. And the only thing that matters is, so maybe instead of the top five, there'll only be a top 15 defense. Oh, so they're going to be them. great on defense still. I think they're going to be just nasty on offense that nobody's going to want to play against them. I, I, I don't have Wisconsin going undefeated. I think they're going to be really damn good this year, though. Which I, maybe isn't right for you and me. Yep, um, I've yeah. I just think I I really like Wisconsin this year. And no offense to the Iowas and the in you know Northwesterns and Purdue's of the world, but uh, just don't really see much of a competition here for them. So uh, let's do the Big Ten West, and then we'll I, I get. I do think it's worth noting. Iowa plays a pretty easy schedule. Iowa gets Wisconsin in Iowa City in like week four or five. Yep. If Iowa finds a way to beat Wisconsin, that would give them the tiebreaker over them, and it would give Wisconsin a loss. Iowa's got a pretty easy slate the rest of the way. They play at Penn State. That's tough. But their other uh, three games, or their other two games against the East, are against Indiana and Maryland. I think they're going to beat Indiana and Maryland. Yep. And if they could beat Wisconsin, 
I look, I'm gonna spoil I don't have Iowa winning the West. I think they're the only if you want to say who outside of Wisconsin could win it, I think they're the only team with a chance. I, I don't think it's I would agree. Kirk Ferentz always does some some good stuff, uh, but then he loses inexplicable games like to North Dakota State. Was that last year, a couple years ago? So, but anywho, uh, what do you have for the Big Ten West standings? I've got Wisconsin going eleven and one. Their only loss I have at Michigan. As same, we are we are the same with Wisconsin. I've got Iowa going nine and three, losing to Iowa State in the non-conference. And then losing to Wisconsin and at Penn State. So I've got Iowa having a pretty good year, actually. I've got uh, both Nebraska, or I've got both Northwestern and Nebraska at 7-5. and five. I've got Northwestern beating Nebraska, so they finish one spot higher in the standings. Northwestern, I mean, I don't know. Clayton Thorson had an ACL injury last year, and I was never that high on him in the first place. I mean, I don't think he's terrible, but I don't think he's all that great, so... You know, I think I think Pat Fitzgerald's a good coach, so I think they get to seven and five. But I'm not as high on Northwestern as other people. Your Gophers, I've got going six and six, so I do have them going to a bowl game and then looking for big things the following year. Purdue, I've got taken a step back. I think Jeff Brom is the right guy at Purdue. I think he's a good coach. I think they will be better on offense this year, but they will. The real reason Purdue made a bowl game last year was because they had a loaded defense, and most of the guys off that defense are gone now. So I've got Purdue at five and seven, just missing out on a bowl game. And Indiana, or it's not Indiana, Illinois, the other I team doesn't matter. I've got both Indiana and Illinois going three and nine. They're both really bad. And Illinois is not good. Lovey Smith might get fired. We'll see. I, I think he will be. Uh, I also don't like Illinois this year. But, but I, did you see his sweet beard he had at Big Ten Media Days? That huge, I didn't. white and gray beard? That's pretty cool. I'll have to, hopefully he keeps that for the regular season opener against Kent State. Uh, I have Wisconsin at 11-1. Like you, the only loss to uh, Michigan on October 13th. That is uh, in Ann Arbor. Then I have Nebraska at 8-4 and four, and Minnesota also at 8-4. and four. I have Iowa at eight and four as well. So a three team. Just out of curiosity, do you have? What, what, do you, you've got who? You've got each team losing yep. to. Yep. What four teams do you have Nebraska losing to? I have Nebraska losing to Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio fair, State, fair. and Iowa. Fair. I you know I I would I would be happy with that. So, I think I basically have the same thing that you do. I just also have them losing at Northwestern. Yeah, Northwestern. I I don't. I have them at four and eight. I I just can't peg. I couldn't peg Northwestern this year. I I just don't like their schedule. How it sets up for them, really. And maybe I maybe I'm a little. It's not an easy schedule. Like it, it's not like a nasty, nasty schedule. But it's one of those ones where you're like, I mean, I think they might win that game, but I wouldn't be stunned if they lose. And we could be at a point late in September where it's like, huh, Northwestern's 2-3 and three right now. And then they played Notre Dame in, like, November, too, yep. so that's really tough. Yep. I mean, they. I I have them losing to the Gophers, uh, but that could certainly change. You never know. Maybe they beat Iowa. I just don't know about Northwestern this year. This this is a very weird Northwestern team, so I have them at 4-8. and eight. Uh, I have... Uh, who else do I have? I have Purdue at 7-5, a little, maybe a little higher on them than... 
than you are. And then I have uh, Illinois at 2-10. and 10. They won't win a game after September 8th when they beat Western Illinois. So, yeah. Not 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 feeling them a whole lot, but uh, so I think Lovely Smith will get fired. But the Big Ten Championship game, I have Ohio State against Wisconsin. You have Michigan against Wisconsin. Um, who who do you have winning the Big Ten? In the regular season, I had Michigan State beating Wisconsin. I've got Wisconsin getting payback in the Big Ten title game. I've got Wisconsin twelve and one Big Ten champs. I think that we've done all five of the major conferences. Yep. I'm not gonna. Re- I'm not gonna do playoff spoilers yet. I know we're gonna save that for next week. Yep. But if you're keeping track, 12 and one conference champs are pretty good. Will that be good enough to get in the playoff? I don't know, but I think Wisconsin's gonna be really good. And I got them winning the conference. I have Wisconsin beating Ohio State. Uh, so I like you have them at 12 and one, and I I believe we are going to be in agreement next week. Uh, when we discuss our college football playoff teams here, what the fate of Wisconsin is. Charlie, I appreciate the time as always, my friend, and I look forward to chatting with you next week about the college football playoff teams, the Heisman Trophy, and uh, any other notes of interest here as we get ready to kick off the college football regular season. There are games this week. There are four games. Don't mean a whole hell of a lot, but at least there's actual college football being played, and that's a wonderful thing. It is. I agree. It's fun. Two real quick things I want to plug quick. Yep. I've got a, uh, on, on a Tuesday, I think, I've got a Ultimate College Football Road Trip. It's basically a thing where you pick a game to go to each week and you can't see a team play more than once. So it makes it more difficult and therefore, you know, more fun to come up with. Mm-hmm. I think that will be online on the Sioux City Journal website on Tuesday. It's a definitely also, definitely a good read based on the, the couple that you've done. This is the third year you've done this now, right? Yep, that's correct. Third year in a row. First time for the newspaper, though. It's not going in the paper. It's only online. But first time for the place I work, so that's fun. So SiouxCityJournal.com, correct? Yep. And then also we are starting something... Uh, spoiler alert, mostly headed by me, for uh, for work, where we are covering, I'm trying to think of the, the succinct way to say this, the elevator pitch. We are ranking the top five high school football prospects who are seniors and will be freshmen in college next year. The top five in the Sioux City Journal coverage area, which is basically the five counties, so I think that's... Uh, two counties in Iowa, one in South Dakota, and two in Nebraska, that we will be ranking the top five or six guys, and then each week, you know, we, we might shuffle the around a little bit based off how they play, and we'll kind of have updates on how their seasons are going and what their stats are. Some of them have not committed to school, but they do. We will uh, have mentions of that. The interesting thing, I didn't know going into this that there would be any guys who were good enough, and I knew there'd be guys good enough to play, Allegiantly, but I didn't know if anyone would be good enough to play like at a big level. Mm-hmm. The five we currently have right now all have offers or are committed to Power Five schools in our area. That's, so that kind of surprised me a little bit. There are, even though you know it's not a super super populous region, the five counties probably have like three hundred thousand people total, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them, are, some of them are going on and 
can have the chance to you know to play for some some big time schools. That's very cool. Very cool. Well, we look forward to the uh, ultimate college football uh, the the playoff or the 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 road trip here. That again, that'll be out on Tuesday this week. SiouxCityJournal.com. So uh, looking forward to that, and I'm looking forward to chat with you next week, my friend. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, college football is very close. Looking forward to it. Sounds good, man. I am very very excited. <laughs> I imagine you are. Thank you, Charlie. Yep. Bye. Charlie Hildebrand, Sioux City Journal, kind enough to. Uh, be with us here preview more college football uh one more week with him and then we'll obviously have him on throughout the college football season bull bound or not we'll make a triumphant return so looking forward to that again next week uh, so we we previewed all the the power five conferences this week again pac 12 big 12 big 10 and uh next week we'll go through our college football playoff teams heisman trophy and then any of the other conferences any items of note here for that so as always thank you for listening to this week's edition of the sports block podcast you can find us available online on itunes just search the sports block podcast also follow me on twitter at nd stacking facebook nathan stacking will have a link posted to this or posted with this pod a link for the podcast posted middle to later part of the week thank you as always to travis uh for joining me for some lively banter and conversation as well as for helping us get this podcast up online here thank you for listening to another week of the sports block podcast we hope you enjoyed this week's edition and we hope you tune in again next week download us again and uh listen more college football talk here football season right around the corner summer may be coming to an end but it's fall falls right around the corner fall means football and that means life is good So, for Travis and Charlie, I'm Nathan. Thank you so much for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Hope you tune in again next week. You've been listening to another edition of the Sports Block Podcast.